Chapter 24 of The Star Chamber, An Historical Romance, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Star Chamber, Volume 1, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter 24, The Fountain Court. On the morning after the eventful passage in his life, previously related, our newly created knight was standing, in a pensive attitude, beside the beautiful fountain, adorned with two fair statues, representing the Queen of Love and her son, heretofore described as placed in the center of the great quadrangle of the Palace of Theobalds. Sir Jocelyn was listening to the plashing of the sparkling jets of water, as they rose into the air and fell back into the broad marble basin, and appeared to be soothed by the pleasant sound. His breast had been agitated by various and conflicting emotions. In an incredibly short space of time, events had occurred, some of which seemed likely to influence the whole of his future career, while one of them, though it had advanced him far beyond what he could have anticipated, appeared likely to mar altogether his prospects of happiness. Though the difficulties, therefore, that surrounded him had been unexpectedly overcome, though by the exertions of the Conde de Gondomar, who had followed up his first success with wonderful promptitude and perseverance, and had dexterously contrived by all the insidious arts of which Lai was so perfect a master, to ingratiate his protege still further with the king, without the protege himself being aware of the manner in which he was served, though James himself appeared greatly pleased with him at the banquet in the evening to which, owing to the skilful management of the Spanish ambassador, he was invited, and bestowed such marked attention upon him, that the envy and jealousy of most of the courtiers were excited by it, though he seemed on the high road to still greater favor, and was already looked upon as a rising favorite, who might speedily supplant others above him in this ever-changing sphere if he did not receive a check. Though his present position was thus comparatively secure, and his prospects thus brilliant, he felt ill at ease, and deeply dissatisfied with himself. He could not acquit himself of blame for the part he had played, though involuntarily, in the arrest of Hugh Calvary. It was inexpressibly painful to him, and he felt it as a reproach from which he could not free himself to have risen, however unexpectedly on his own part, by the unfortunate Puritan's fall. How could he ever face Aveline again? She must regard him with horror and detestation, as the involuntary cause of her father's destruction. A bar had been placed between them, which nothing could ever remove. And though on the one hand he was suddenly exalted, far beyond his hopes, Yet on the other he was as suddenly cast down, and threatened to be forever deprived of the bliss he had in view, the possession of which he coveted far more than wealth or grandeur. Additional complexity had been given to his position from the circumstance that, at de Gondomar's secret instance, of which, like all the rest, he was unaware, he had been appointed as officer in custody of Hugh Calvary, until the latter, who was still detained a close prisoner in the porter's lodge, should be removed to the tower, or the fleet, as his majesty might direct. This post he would have declined had there been a possibility of doing so. Any plan he might have formed of aiding the prisoner's escape was thus effectually prevented, as he could not violate his duty. And it was probably with this view that the wily ambassador had obtained him the appointment. In fact, he had unconsciously become little more than a puppet in the hands of the plotting Spaniard, who pulled the strings that moved him at pleasure, regardless of the consequences. What de Gondomar's ulterior designs were with him had not yet become manifest. These perplexing thoughts swept through Sir Jocelyn's breast as he stood by the marble fountain and listened to the sound of its falling waters. While thus occupied, he perceived two persons issue from the arched entrance fronting the gate, 
adjoining the porter's lodge in which the prisoner was still detained, and make their way slowly across the quadrangle, in the direction of the cloister on its eastern side, above which were apartments assigned to the Secretary of State, Sir Thomas Lake. The foremost of the two was merely a yeoman of the guard, and would not for a moment have attracted Sir Jocelyn's attention, if it had not been for a female who accompanied him, and whom he was evidently conducting to Sir Thomas Lake's rooms, as Sir Jocelyn not only saw the man point towards him, but heard him mention the Secretary of State's name. Something whispered him that this closely hooded female, the lower part of whose face was shrouded in a muffler, so that the eyes alone were visible, was Avalon. Little could be discerned of the features, but the exquisitely proportioned figure, so simply yet so tastefully arrayed, could only be hers. And if he could have doubted that it was Avalon, the suddenness with which her looks were averted as she beheld him, and the quickness with which she stepped forward, so as even to outstrip her companion, these circumstances, coupled with the violent throbbing of his own heart, convinced him he was right. He would have flown after her, if he had dared, would have poured forth all his passionate feelings to her, had he been permitted, would have offered her his life to deal with as she pleased. But his fears restrained him, and he remained riveted to the spot, gazing after her until she entered the great hall on the ground floor, beneath the Secretary of State's apartments. Why she sought Sir Thomas Lake he could easily understand. It was only from him that authority to visit her father could be obtained. After remaining irresolute for a few minutes, during which the magnificent structure around him faded entirely from his view, like a vision melting into air, and he heard no more the pleasant plashing of the fountain, he proceeded to the great hall near the cloister, resolved to wait there till her return. End of chapter 24 The Fountain Court